Okay, so guys and girls, we're actually going to talk about that. And, and what you didn't see, I have not even started. You cannot have a question already. <laughs> All right, so. Where in the Bible? <laughs> it's in the book of Jude. Oh, no. um, it's a wonderful little program called Animoto. The, the only difference is, uh, actually, I was going to say only difference. Your mom may use that. As a church, we have it for free um, because they, they do that for nonprofits. So uh, I would actually encourage you to do it because it actually takes the normal photo slideshow thing and makes it a little different. Uh, and then the music is from a group um, called Page 618. That would be a quarter. Real quick, heads or tails? Bingo. Good job. It was heads. <laughs> um, so, did that answer your question? Okay. We're going to talk about that What? Oh, Page 618. And that's actually from uh, an album that they put out for free on the internet called The B-Sides. Yeah, it is. It is all Roman numerals. But it is page 618, if I remember correctly. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll put a link to it on the church website slash Facebook. Okay? Does that sound good? Um, so, guys, we're going to talk about that from, from the Scripture for tonight. And what you need to know is you didn't see much of actually what was going on there. I'm sorry, this thing's bothering me. Because um, the photos that were taken were taken by some very generous people who sent them to me, but I didn't get photos of a lot of different people um, because they were taking photos of their friends and family. They didn't know it was going to end up being a video because uh, they did what you would normally do. So you didn't see the Metellos because they were working with the food, and apparently nobody takes pictures of food other than hipsters who take pictures of their food and then stand, and put it on the Internet. Um, do you take pictures of your food? You're a hipster. <laughs> take a quick vote. Who thinks she's a hipster if you take... Yep. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I've done it too. <laughs> I was a hipster. I've converted. Okay. <laughs> so, let's talk about that. And what you, you need to know on that is this. Um, last Saturday. So, well, I guess actually yesterday was last Saturday. Saturday before yesterday. Um the church that we are, are um, all a part of, who are people that are members here and, and people who are regular here, um, one of our members had been working with a group of migrant workers' kids. Uh, there's a large population of migrant workers that move up here every year. They work uh, in the agricultural uh, market here, but also specifically in Del the Delmonte company that is down in Plover. And uh, one of our church members, a member who's actually on the leadership team, uh, Natalie, who's not here, had been working with these kids. And during a discussion with the leadership team, I mentioned, by the way, we have this trailer now that has all this equipment for a block party. And basically the leadership team came up and said, well, why don't we throw a party for people that it won't, um, it won't have any value for us. In other words, a lot of people will do a party because you get something out of it. Maybe we get more people coming or something like that. And it was... Let's throw a party for somebody who can't do anything for us. Because we figured that's what Jesus would do. He, he talks about that. If you just throw a party so that, that uh, somebody else will invite you, well, you've already been paid. But if you do it for the least of these, you do it for him. 
Today's scripture doesn't point blank talk about that, but it point blank talks about that. <laughs> so let's deal with that. Pamela, uh, my normal operator is sick today. Uh, so Pamela, you can do the scripture, correct? There we go. And then I have control after that. So we're going to turn to the 12th chapter of the gospel according to Mark. If you're a guest here, we go through a book of the Bible typically and we stay with that. This is the 70th week that we have been going through the gospel according to Mark. Um, so if you don't like Mark, you're probably in the wrong place. It'll show up behind us or behind me in front of you. Uh, it's on the piece of paper that was on your chair. And also it's actually on the internet. We've got it up there if you go to the Tapestry website. So this is what it says. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked, Of all of the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no, one other, uh, no other but Him. Uh, to love Him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that He had answered wisely, He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him, ask him any more questions. So guys, I, if you've been here more than, than a couple of months, you know I don't talk, I don't usually say anything that's new and enlightening. Okay, I repeat the same stuff over and over. I repeat the same stories over and over. If you think I, I've said something like, wow, I've never heard that said before, then you just haven't been listening, okay? Because it's, it's been said before many, many times. Because I don't think that we need Jesus and we, we need Jesus' church to say new things. I think we, we need to live out what He has said and we need to remind ourselves of that over and over again. One of my favorite quotes is from a guy that we know as Samuel Clemens or Mark Twain. And he said this, it, it ain't those parts of the Bible, and I can say ain't properly, okay? It ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. And some of you in the room understand completely what he's saying there. And some of you in the room don't understand that. And it could be because you've never heard anything from Scripture before. You've never read anything from Scripture. Or it could be that you're so deluded that you actually think you live out exactly what Jesus said. And if you are that deluded, I'm sorry if I just offended you. Because the parts that I don't understand about what, what Scripture says, I love those parts because I can talk about them forever and it never affects my life. <laughs> the problem is, is I usually end up understanding part of them and it affects my life. But when Jesus says very, very clear things, I don't always like those because that really changes my life. See, I would love to be able to adjust love your enemy uh, in such a way that it meant that I didn't actually have to love the guy who was just a jerk to me. But I, I understand, you know, loving your enemy. And that means I have to love my enemy. So tonight, we're not going to talk about anything new. I'm not going to give you some great way that you can deal with loving your neighbor as yourself and talk about, wow, that's fascinating such. We're just going to talk about loving our neighbors. 
We're going to start off with this. Because the past two sections in Scripture that we have read have been somebody trying to trick Jesus. They have been somebody trying to test Jesus. Okay, the first one was a guy coming in who was trying to use the Roman Empire and the Jewish elite to get Jesus in a no-win situation. He was asking Jesus a question not because he really cared about the answer. He was asking Jesus a question because he was trying to trick him. Our whole conversation started off with with a question, which I could not even believe that happened. But Joe, this is perfect. I wish I had planned it. I mean, Joe asked a question. Why? Because he really wanted to know. But let's be honest. Sometimes we ask questions because we want somebody to shut up or we want to show them how much we know. Anybody ever been to a place where there was somebody speaking and there was a group that formed around this person, him or her, and, and people were asking questions. And you could tell the whole reason they were asking those questions was because they were trying to convince this person that was, had spoken how much they knew. I'll give you an example. I, I did not get to know. Now, for those of you who aren't raised in church, if, if you're a preacher and you have an education, you probably went to a place called a seminary. A seminary is a, a place for graduate-level study Um, in theology and such. So I have an undergraduate degree in business management and psychology, and then I have a master's degree in in theology. It's called a master's of divinity. I like to think it means I can make that candy, okay? Uh, Divinity is really nice, and I like it a lot. But what it means is I studied theology, practical theology. And, And the worst class on the face of the planet is a class full of preachers, it's awful. If you, if you think you hate your group projects, imagine a group project with a bunch of pastors. It was awful. I would come back home. Pam and I were married at that time, and I would just go, oh, because it, it just drove me nuts. And the one thing I never did because I didn't want to be one of those people is I had these amazing professors, I mean, amazing professors. One of my professors, we use uh, the, the version, the translation of the Bible that we use is the 1984 version of the NIV. One of my professors was one of the gentlemen who translated the NIV. Okay, I had amazing professors. And I never went up front to talk to any of them because I didn't want to be one of those bozos who would just go up and ask Dr. Curtis Vaughn a question. And, and all that question was about was, Dr. Vaughn, look at me, look at me. Jesus has these questions asked and they have nothing to do with really wanting to learn from Jesus. It's about showing how much this person knows or trying to trick him. So the first one is about using the Roman Empire and the Jewish structure to try and trick Jesus. Then the next one is the Sadducee, uh, this group of Sadducees who's dealing with afterlife marriage. If you remember right, we talked about Leverite marriage last week. Uh, It's a fascinating concept. But they don't honestly care about this. They're trying to trick Jesus. But this question starts out entirely different. If you notice, this guy was not a part of the groups that, was tr- that were trying to trick Jesus. This guy is walking by, and the Scripture says that he heard that Jesus answered well. So he started to ask him a question. Anybody in the room here, people who, who kind of like to eavesdrop on conversations going on around you? Okay. All right, so uh, it's nice to know I'm not the only one who's, who's more nosy than he's good for. Now, I can say this. I started out as an insurance adjuster. So I would go and I would do research to find out if you were really faking your injury or or not. So I learned to like do research on people. I caught a guy who was supposedly going to have back surgery and he was lifting the engine out of his car. It was a lot of fun. Caught a guy who was going to, another guy was going to have back surgery and was golfing. And I was sneaking in the woods videoing him as he was going. It's awesome. Just loved it. If it is it's not weird because I was paid to do it. That makes it legitimate. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> makes it legitimate. But sometimes, as a preacher, I'll hear, it's like my ears are attuned to Jesus. And I don't mean by that attuned to Jesus talking. I mean attuned to other people talking about Jesus. And I will be in, um, it happened this morning at MEJ's. I was at MEJ's and there was a group talking about Christ. But, I, but truthfully, to be completely honest, I think it was an atheist group. And they were meeting there on Sunday morning because they knew no Christians would be there. Not realizing there is at least one church in town that only meets on Sunday night. And I hear them talking and they're pointing out all these stupid things that Christians do. And they're right. And, and all I can think of is, how do I get into this conversation? Okay, not to correct them, not to be like, no, you're wrong. Let me put the Jesus smack down on you. But instead to be able to, to, I want to literally say, oh yeah, I completely agree. Jesus wouldn't be like that at all. And the only problem is, the second I, I figure out how to join the conversation, they stop talking. And I don't want to be one of those guys that, you know, comes up with a perfect answer 15 minutes after the fact. But this guy hears Jesus' answer. And he goes up there and he asks Jesus with a legitimate question. He has... I really didn't think that was that funny. So He has a, a real question. And that question is this. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, in Jewish law, in Jewish understanding of Scripture, there were 613 laws. And, and it wasn't just like, oh, there's 613 laws. There were descriptions of the 613 laws. So, so think of 613 laws, and it'd be one thing if there was just a list like this. But then you have like law number 327, and you have a book about law number 327. You, know, you will not work on the Sabbath. Well, what does that mean on how far you can walk? And, and if you walk a certain amount of way, and then, then an animal carries you another amount of way, what does that count for? Lots of discussion on this. So it's really important to ask, what's the most important commandment? Because there's a decent chance you may be breaking one. But it's also very important to ask, what's the most important commandment? Because it says what your focus is. Here, I'll show you this. I love this, okay? <laughs> Some of you may have seen it. See, this photo right here, it tells you exactly what's important. And some of us in the room would completely agree with this, okay? It's like, you know, being yourself is important, right? Would most of us agree with that? That being yourself is important. Now, some of you are shaking your heads, and I know you, and you should not be yourself, okay? It's just a joke. Just a joke. But this says what's more important. What's more important than being yourself? Batman. Batman. See, that statement right there says what's most important. And it reflects you know, or goes out on everything else. It, it, it changes the way you do things. This is an example of what's most important. This is a photo I took before Hurricane Katrina. Some of you have heard of it. It was a big storm that took place. Uh, and, and my wife and family and I lived in Baton Rouge, Louisiana when Hurricane Katrina happened. We have lots of, of memories of being in Katrina. Uh, it was fascinating. And here's what you need to know. When a hurricane comes, people who are used to it go immediately to the store and they get what is most important to them. Do you notice anything that's empty? Yes. There were two aisles that were empty. Beer and bread. <laughs> Reflects your priorities. 
If you, if you want to know, the third aisle that was usually out, it was like the, the grilling out stuff, sausage, hamburger, that type of stuff. People were like, hey, we're going to party during this. But it reflects your priorities. Uh, it's called a stack pole. Okay, a stack pole is a pole that you set up that everything else leans against. If you were to make an old-fashioned hay uh, stack, you have these, these things called hay bales, but you also have stacks. And a, a stack would be where you had a pole that was put here and they would put hay against it. You actually could form, um, form shelters out of it. Okay, if you study Christian history... There's a thing called the Haystack Prayer Revival uh, that develops. It's the beginning of what um, people who study missions are called missiologists. And the beginning of the modern missions movement starts because of a prayer meeting that takes place in a haystack. But this pole would be put in the center and then they would lean stuff against it. And if you're forming a shelter, you would not just lean hay there because you know hay's not very long. It'd be like a, a shelter for for leprechauns or something. So you'd put sticks up there and then you'd put hay against it. But guys, the stack pole is what everything else leans against. It's what keeps everything up. And so this guy was saying, what's the greatest commandment? It, realistically, it's like him saying, what is your church all about? Now, some of you in, in this room have been raised in church or you have been in church long enough to know that different churches have different things that are most important to them. It, hopefully, Jesus is most important. But the way we understand Jesus can have different emphasis. Emphasis? Emphasize. What's correct? Emphases? Emphases. There we go. Uh, it, there are some churches in this town that would describe themselves as reformed. Okay, what does that mean? What? Change is, that's what you would think from the word reform, but it actually comes from a tradition that was about changing. They would be Calvinistic. And I'm not saying this is a good or bad thing, but they understand Scripture from that. There's some other churches that are more focused on, on, uh, on personal choice. They understand Jesus from that. That stack pole is, it's not that like, oh, this is the only thing that matters, but everything else leans against that. He's asking Jesus, what's your stack pole? And Jesus answers him by not saying anything new. He doesn't change it and come up with an entirely different thing. What he does is he answers him by quoting to him two very famous portions of Scripture. This is what's known as the Shema. Any good Jew would have prayed this at the beginning of the day. It's called the Shema because the Shema is, or not the Shema, excuse me. Shema is Hebrew for here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Every Jew there would have known this. And Jesus says, this is the most important commandment. And most of the Jews would have been like, oh yeah, yeah. But then he adds to that another verse of Scripture that they would have known, which is from Leviticus, and it says this. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. And I love the fact that he adds this sentence there because it's like, love your neighbor as yourself. Why? I am the Lord. See, Jesus quotes to them, uh, to this, this guy who questions him from these two different portions of Scripture. Because he's not trying to come up with something new. He's trying to remind them of something that they already know. They already know these statements. But they just kind of pushed them down. 
See, there's things I know are important, but I don't live them out as though they're important. I know that I should change the filter in my heating system every three months, and I'm probably wrong. Am I wrong, Pete? Is it, it's every three months or as needed. I'm correct? Wow. All right, I know that I should change the filter in my heating system every three months, but does that mean I change it? No, and some of the college students are like, wait, there's a filter? (laughs) Wow, (laughs) home ownership is just a fascinating thing. (laughs) Okay, I know that such as I'm running and I'm training for a marathon now, and I know if I'm going to run my long run, I should start in the morning. doesn't mean I do it. See, Jesus wasn't reminding or saying something new to them. He was reminding them of something that they already knew. They just weren't practicing. So the gentleman responds by saying, to love him with all your heart, and with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings. Did you catch the last part of that? It is more important important. I think sometimes we forget that. I mean, if I say something, if I say it is more important for you to love your neighbor than it is for you to be here on Sunday evening, that means if you have a choice of raking the little old lady who lives beside... Raking the little old lady. That sounds completely wrong. (laughs) Okay, Raking the yard of the little old lady who lives right beside you or a choice to coming to tapestry on Sunday night, what's, what's your choice? What should it be? Yeah. And, and here's the thing about it. Is he, doesn't, he doesn't go, oh, but if you, you know, if you have a job there, it's more important. I mean, literally for me, if my neighbor was in need, it would be more important for me to meet the need of my neighbor in the name of Jesus Christ than it is for me to be here on Sunday night. Could you imagine what it'd be like to show up on a Sunday night and the preacher be like, hey guys, I'm raking my neighbor's yard, I'm sorry. Hopefully it'd be kind of awesome until you sat here for 40 minutes going, what are we doing? <laughs> okay, that'd be nice. Somebody else would be like, I'm not leaving, I have cookies. <laughs> Jesus says, it is more important. That doesn't mean that the religious practices were not important. It does not mean that they were not good. It means that loving God and loving your neighbor was more important than them. This is something they knew already, okay? Scripture says it again and again. The sacrificial system was huge. The sacrificial system was incredibly important. If you remember, we've talked about the temple. They spent a ton of money on the temple. They put a lot of effort into it. But God says, with what shall I come before the Lord and, uh, and, and bow down and exalt... I need to turn around. And bow down before the, uh, before the exalted Lord. Exalted God, excuse me. Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Which is a reference to Abraham at that point. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. See, the, the sacrifice was important. The religious ritual was important. 
Worshiping God through song, worshiping God through His Word is important. But it's not the most important. And I think sometimes we forget that. I mean, Jesus was serious when He said to love our neighbor as as ourselves. He wasn't lying about it. But we kind of treat it as something that we can dismiss. Matter of fact, any good Jew who heard Jesus' statement about the Shema, the first part, Hear, O Israel, Lord your God, would have gone to this next part. And they would have said, Oh, we're supposed to remember this. We have to remember this. We have to remember this. Impress upon yourselves these things. And so they come up with these wonderful things called tephalin, which is a, a type of phylactery. Okay, those are two words you, you might not know. The phylacteries were these things that held prayers and verses. Tephalin were the ones that you would bind on your head and you would bind on your arms. There are others, okay? There's other phylacteries. If you ever go into a Jewish household, you might see a little uh, piece of metal that is angled on the, the door frame. That is a phylactery and it holds a part of a prayer in it. also typically holds the Shema in it, that Deuteronomy 6, 4 that's in it. They use this, why? To remind themselves. But the problem is that... that these tefillin then become more important than the very thing that they are supposed to be reminding them of. They spent thousands of dollars on these things. I'm so glad that, that we never, ever, ever do stupid religious practices and actually forget about meeting people's needs in the name of Jesus Christ. We don't ever do that at all, and that's so wonderful uh, because there aren't any hungry people at all in, in the city. See, it wasn't that the religious practices were wrong. It was that they had become too important rather than serving as the reminders that they're supposed to be. There there are a couple of different groups that Jesus talks with quite often. One of those is the Pharisees. He probably fights with them more than anybody else. And the reason for that probably is because he was probably most close in belief system to them. He doesn't actually disagree with a lot of their beliefs. He disagrees a lot with their practices. There are some beliefs he disagrees with. But he says this to the Pharisees. He says, Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give a tenth of your mint and rue. How'd you like to tithe your herbs? (laughs) You know, just one week you'd be like, It's time to tithe your herbs. Bring in your garlic. What a fun-smelling church that would be that night. Okay, We, We should do that next week. Everybody bring garlic. That way we'll guarantee there'll be no vampires at church. Okay, so, because you give God a tenth of your mint, your rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, and you neglect justice and and the love of God, you should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Some people treat it like, oh, I just love my neighbor and that's good. He's not saying... Forget about coming and worshiping. Just love your neighbor. What he's saying is, your worship should push you to love your neighbor. That's why we have this up here. Because these two things go hand in hand. See, this is the problem with sitting in the front row. You have messed up. (laughs) I'm going to lift it up and they're probably going to fall. But it's just a simple question. How do you love God? How do you love your neighbor? What? What? Well, I'm just really thinking. Well, aren't they the same thing? 
Are they? But so often we do divide them. Are they the same thing? I would say they can be the same thing. There are people I know that are just genuinely nice. Genuinely nice. They just love everybody. They're just friendly. When they're just genuinely nice, are they loving God? If they're a follower of Jesus Christ and they are loving someone else because of their love for God, then yeah, I would say so. It doesn't mean that all Christians will be nice. The goal is this. Amanda, I'm going to use you for just a second. Amanda is just a genuinely nice person. Jesus Christ in her life should make her more loving than she would be without Jesus Christ. doesn't mean she is only loving because of Jesus in her life. It means that Jesus in her life should push her to love more than she naturally would. Bob, can I use you for a second? Okay. Bob's a mean, horrible, terrible person. <laughs> okay. Actually, Bob's not. That's why I asked him as I knew he'd be. Bob, but let's just pretend like Bob's a mean, horrible, terrible person. Jesus in, him, in his life is not going to make him as naturally loving and nice as Amanda is. But he should be more loving and nice than Bob would be without him. Does that make sense? And here's how these things combine. If my love of God causes me to love other people, then the reason I'm loving other people has more to do with this than it does with me just being a naturally loving and nice person. I'm loving others because I love God. Bob has, instead of riding over you when he sees you on the sidewalk and just running you over which he would naturally want to do because Bob likes that because he gets points for it, okay? So instead of that, he chooses not to run you over because he goes, well, God loves them and I'm trying to love God, so therefore I'll love you by not running you over. Just the one time. This, well, yes. Okay, if Bob ran you over, he would get arrested. But Bob doesn't care. You're forgetting, Monica. Bob doesn't care. He's been in jail before. He doesn't mind going back. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Bob. <laughs> That's true. Do you see how these things can connect? This can be entirely separate. We can just love others. We can just do that. And just loving others does not mean that we are Christians. But when we love God, it should lead to us loving others more than we naturally would. That's how they connect. They're not always the same, but you can't love God without trying to love others. Yes, sir. I would say it's a different in degree for you. Because I think your loving God should change you and make you more loving. But it doesn't mean that, that you're more loving than Amanda naturally because maybe she's just a really nice person even without Jesus. Like I love people in the same way that Mary. Yeah, for, for you. Okay. Sometimes I think uh, if you ever hear people go, oh, there's just a bunch of hypocrites in church. Yeah, there are. Okay, but where are their starting points? <laughs> were, you know, were they terrible, terrible people before Jesus and Jesus is improving them slightly? That's what you, you go off of. I don't expect the church to be the most loving place. I expect us actually to bring in the worst people and see them changed. 
I know how selfish I am. I'm pretty selfish. Jesus is changing me. So, here's what I want to remind you of. It's very simple. Every week, we come in and we do this. I love doing this. I love the singing. I love hearing us sing. Every now and then, I will pull out the recorder and just go, oh, that's awesome. Last week, we did Were You There? And I love when we sing Were, Were You There? You just hear these people go back. It's an old Negro spiritual, and I just love it. I just love it. Were you there? And you just hear it in this wonderful gem that just echoes back and forth. It's awesome. Every now and then I can just be like, ooh, this is just going to be what heaven's like. We're just going to sing all the time. But the reality is, is this. If this is all we do, we are not following God. This should help us to do this. This is the, the house that we built in Nicaragua uh, a couple, uh, almost two years ago where we, we took all of our tithe money that's supposed to go for our rent and we built a house for a family who was in need. This should inspire us to go and to party with those who are being neglected by society. This should inspire us to go and take care of the person who absolutely annoys us. Because we have been called by a God who says, I am love, to go and act out loving on the weakest. Loving on those who hurt us. He says to love your enemy. This should help us to go out and live out the love that is involved in actions. What's it, what is he saying? I love it when, when Charlie talks. <laughs> so, this is how we're going to end. I think sometimes Jesus looks at our worship and he just has a face palm. Because we might sound really good, but we mistake this as the most important thing. This is supposed to help us do the most important thing, which is to love God and to love others because of our love for God. We can't separate them. Okay? We can just love others, but you cannot love God without loving others. I'm sorry, Jan. All questions have to be submitted in writing. I'm just joking. Jan, what, what is it? All right. What do you think it is? I'm going to. What do you think it is? All right. I'm going to give you the quick definition in Scripture. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Roman, Roman says that, that God loved us in this. While we were yet sinners, He died for us. I don't mean love as in feeling warm, okay? Uh, I may never feel warm towards my enemy. I may never like my enemy. But Jesus sacrificed Himself for people who Scripture describes as hating Him. How do we, we put them first how do we sacrifice for them and and if you were a victim of something this is not calling for you to be more of a victim okay there's a fine line here but how do you love them as christ loves you yeah i think you can too 
That's the story everybody doesn't understand. Jan saved a chicken last week. Um, but Jan, here's the beauty of this. If you keep on doing those acts for that person, how do you think you'll start to feel towards that person? If you continue to do acts of love. It, it is hard to do acts of love for somebody continually and not start loving them. Sometimes it's behavioral modification. Not, it's scriptural also, but that's what it's called if you ever study psychology. Um, if I start acting loving towards you, I'm going to start loving you. Most of the time, not always. So did that answer your question? It is. And, You're right. Uh, so that is a struggle, I think. And, um, you know, sometimes you just feel like, well, it's not worth it. I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Caring about me. They don't want me to be loving to them. I mean, I'm not talking about an infant loving. No. And I, I think the beauty of that is that's why Jesus doesn't hold us accountable for how they receive it. He holds us accountable for how we do it. Does, does that make sense, Jan? Yeah. So, Jesus tells this wonderful story in the 25th chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew um, where he separates goats and sheep and it's basically about how they treated him. And they say, hey, when did we treat you like this? When did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did we see you nude? When did we uh, know that you were sick or in prison? And he says, whenever you did it for the least of these. And the other time that he talks about the first and second greatest commandment, he ends with this statement. Go and do likewise. Okay, I don't know what it means for you to love your neighbor, but you probably do. You probably don't need me to give you, give you a, a list of specific actions because if we're honest about it, we'll probably start treating them as though they are religious and therefore if we do these actions, we're okay. God has called us to continually sacrifice for those who are created in His image. To continually put others in, in, in front of ourselves and we need to go and do it. You don't need a new lesson. I don't need a new lesson. We just need to do it. So we're going to respond to him. And, and we're going to respond to him by singing. And what I would invite you to do is write down specific actions that might help others. But these are not a religious list. These are examples. And then this week, go out and love your neighbor as yourself. And when you don't know what to do, you're on pretty good ground then. <laughs> because at that point, you have to trust Jesus because it's something that's unnatural for you. Yes, sir, Devin, we'll end with you. Yes. Yeah, it's it's a story at the end of uh, end of time. It says the king will divide the sheep, good people, <laughs> versus the goats, bad goats. Um, and actually, it's on the opposite side. And he'll divide them and right for the sheep and and left for the goats. And he'll look at them and he'll say to the goats. Actually, he'll look at the sheep and say, "Come to your your reward." Because I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was nude and you clothed me. I was in prison or sick and in prison and you visited me. And they will look at him and say, Lord, when did we do these things? And he will respond with, whenever you did it for one of the least of these. In other words, one of the weak. 
one of the ones on the margin of society, one of the people that, that get neglected. Whenever you did it for them, you did it for me. And then he'll look at those on his left and say, depart from me, you wicked generation, uh, because I was hungry and you did not feed me and I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink and I was nude and you did not clothe me and I was sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And they will look at him and go, but Lord, when did we do this? When did we ever see you like this and not respond? And he says, whenever you didn't do it for one of the least of these, you didn't do it for me. Which should scare us. Because the way I understand Matthew 25 is when I look and I see somebody in need, it means Jesus is somewhere hiding behind their face. So Jacob, say what you're going to say. And I don't know. <laughs> so we're going to end with that, okay? <laughs> Guys, if you need somebody to pray with, I'll be in the back. Otherwise, we're going to respond to God by singing. But most importantly, hopefully, we'll respond to God by loving this week. Pray with me, please. Father, help us to follow you. Help us to love you. And as a result of loving you, love others. Pray this in your son's name. Amen. Guys, please respond.